Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be able to be in your house. I ask that you would anoint me today from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so necessary to do what you've called me to do here today. Open every heart, mind, and spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated here today. I, sometimes I do things a little bit differently, and, you know, over the last couple of months, I told you that sometimes I'll do a series, and it won't always be consecutive Sundays, and, and, and it came from Abraham and the life of Abraham over several different Sundays, though it wasn't always consecutively, and most likely I'll be doing that also uh, from the life of David. And I'm going to start that this morning, just call it Glimpses of David When You're Left Alone. A few years back, two or three years ago, maybe you've ever heard of Dr. Mark Rutland. Uh, he, he wrote a book and, uh, about the life of David. And David is a very, very fascinating character in the Scripture. Uh, and, and he wrote, and if, if you ever heard Dr. Mark Rutland, the way he said David, he says David, and, uh, but I'm, I'm still going to say David, I'm not saying David, but he, he wrote a book all about the life of David and pulled out uh, just a lot of things that, that I never even realized or even thought about. Uh, but this morning I felt pulled into this particular part of David's life. This is not um, this is probably, I would say, uh, in the top three. There, when we think about David, we think about three things. First of all, we think about David and Goliath. I mean, how many of you in Sunday school or children's church, you learned about David and Goliath? Um, we think about the fact that David was a man after God's own heart. But he's a man that followed God, and uh, this also we think about his failure, uh, not in Sunday school. We usually don't hear about that in the kids' Sunday school class. We think about his failure, uh, but this is one of those instances where we think about David's life, and it's one of the biggest encouragements to us. As I said before, if you've never been through anything, you don't know how to sing about through it all. He's brought me through it, but if you've been through something before, then when you get to the other side and you see how God brought you through it, you're thankful for that. So I want to give you just a few things this morning as we look at this particular part of David's life here in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30. Before we get there, we, we, I want to talk to you about a few other things. First of all, when we come to this point at, at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30, we realize that David was anointed. Everybody say David was anointed. Now, David was anointed. Uh, he was anointed in the way that we think in the modern Pentecostal church. He was anointed. We find that he was anointed to play the harp. We know that he was anointed as a psalmist. He wrote songs. He sang songs. He played songs. He was anointed, but yet he was literally anointed as well because the prophet Samuel had showed up at his father Jesse's house and had broken the bottle and had poured the anointing all over him, and David was anointed to be 
king. Samuel had anointed him. Samuel had said that the Lord had given the kingdom to him. But there was something unique we find about this time. And that was although David was anointed by the prophet Samuel, yet he still understood and recognized spiritual authority. Are y'all with me here this morning? It's really quiet in here. Y'all got to loosen up a little bit. Y'all been tight this whole... Come on, shake the person beside you this morning. Just make sure they're awake. Y'all been tight this whole morning. Just say, loosen up. Just loosen up a little bit. There we go. Y'all are waking up now. You see, he was anointed to be king, yet he still understood spiritual authority. You know, so we find in there were two different instances that David had the opportunity for years. He had been on the run from this man named Saul. Saul had been anointed king, and Saul was still in the position of king. But yet David in two different instances had the opportunity to take the life of Saul. But David at one point finally tells his men that I will not touch God's anointed Man, he understood the spiritual authority is there, and he could have easily justified himself in taking the life of Saul and said, I'm I'm anointed the king of Israel. I don't want to be a wanderer anymore. I can just take his life. But David believed something, that anointing did not trump authority. Now, stay with me for a minute because I'm going to preach whether y'all understand me yet or not. We're going to get to this. You see, I've been in the church long enough that I've seen it. I have seen people as they get saved. I've seen people as they begin to seek God and they become anointed. And what we've had in the church, I believe, where we have messed up is we have raised up. We have seen young people, whether young in age or young in relationship with the Lord, young people that begin to follow after the Lord and God begins to anoint them. And because there's a fresh anointing on their lives, they believe that their anointing trumps the authority authority that's been placed over them by the Lord. Oh, y'all aren't going to amen this morning. I'm just going to have to, I'm going to have to kick into another gear this morning. That's, I can do it now. I'm going to have to shift into the gear that's like a no amen gear, everybody's sleepy gear, and I'm going to go ahead and preach here. You see, we've come to the place where we have even promoted that at times, to where we we see people young in their faith, and yes, they're excited, and yes, they're anointed, but yet they decide that they look at maybe those that are older and those that are in authority, and they say, well, you know, they just don't understand anymore. They just, they're out of touch anymore. Folks, can I just tell you this morning that anointing still does not trump authority, and if we're going to look at this time and David's life. I know he messed up. I know there's times that in this time in his life, he was still 100% on track with the Lord. And at this time in his life, he realized that anointing does not trump authority. We must take that to heart and know, I'm telling you, there is a reason why God puts older people. I still look up to, I am still thankful for men and women that are older than me, not just in age, but in the faith so that I can see that they have been some places they have seen some things they have some experiences that I do not have 
David believed that anointing did not trump authority just as energy does not trump experience. Hmm. That's good preaching. I know y'all aren't amening. I'm, I'm on that already. It's not an amen Sunday, but that's good preaching there whether you amen or not. Good energy doesn't trump experience. Again, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for lots of energy, but I'm thankful that we must also understand that though David was anointed, he knew that it did not trump authority. I'm going to move on. Number two, David had one great Victories. I've already mentioned probably his most famous that if you ever talk about David in church, you know that the most famous thing that he did from Sunday school, you know that he killed the giant named Goliath. He killed this giant named Goliath. He had been, this giant had been mocking God and the armies of God. And little David showed up at the battleground that his brothers were scared of the giant and all of the armies were scared of the giant. And even Saul, the king who the Bible said was head and shoulders above the rest of Israel, was back hiding in his tent afraid in Goliath but there was one person that showed up that day that was not afraid of Goliath and his name was David now I don't have the time to tell you about the whole story sometime I will but we know what he did he said I'm I'm not worried about this giant I know God has helped me he helped me kill a lion he helped me kill a bear and God will help me kill this uncircumcised Philistine what did he do he goes out to the battlefield and he takes his sling he puts a stone in it he slings it right there the one spot where Goliath was vulnerable hits him in the forehead, knocks him to the ground, pulls the giant's own sword out of the sheath and cuts off the head of Goliath. David had won great victories. In fact, after that in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 5, it says this, whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. I mean, David was so successful. God blessed him and used him in such great victories that not only was the king happy, but even this army and his officials in his army were happy as well. You know, sometimes folks get a little territorial when you start somebody starts climbing the ranks so you know David had to be good if all of the officers were good with it they were winning so much they were just like I don't care let this young boy be in charge he is so good at what he does you know we find that throughout this time he had had such great victories but we know eventually Saul's madness drives David away even though David was loyal to Saul, even though Saul had tried to kill David on a number of occasions, David was still loyal to Saul. David would never do anything that would hurt Saul or Israel. But yet Saul drove him away. And so at this point that we find David, at this point in his life, I believe in chapter 30 where he is at in this place, I believe that he could have thought to himself that I should be past this place in life. 
You see, at this point, he had won great. He killed the giant nobody else would kill. He had won so many victories. He had done so much that now he finds himself has lost everything. And I believe that at this point, he could have been saying, I should be past this place in life. He could be saying to himself, you know, I should be the king by now. My family should be safe inside the confines of the walls of the capital city not have stayed here in this little defenseless village of Ziklag. I believe that I should have been past this place in life by now. I remember the day Samuel showed up at daddy's house and anointed me king. Should I not be past this place in life by now? I'm not preaching to everybody, but I'm preaching to somebody this morning because I've been at that place before too at times. Where I thought, should I not be past this place in life by now? Maybe financially. Maybe you found yourself at a place financially and you're like, should I not be past this place in my life right now? You know, if the Lord tarries, how many of you, let's be, I'm going to be, I'm, what am I? I'm 41. I'll be 42 here in just a few months. And, you know, so I start thinking about things that I never thought about before. You know, when we first got married, one of the last things I thought about was retirement. You know, but, but now as I'm, as I'm getting older, I start thinking. I've even been Googling how much, how much should a 42-year-old have in their retirement account. Come on, anybody, anybody ever been doing something like we? I know I'm looking around this congregation. There's a lot of different ages that are sitting around here. You know, listen, 20 years ago, we're about to be married 20 years. 20 years ago, the last thing that I ever thought about and knew anything about was Medicare. <laughs> but now I start thinking about it. I start thinking. I start thinking about our future. I start thinking about the end of the Lord tarries. And you know, there's been times in my life that I start thinking, Lord, should I not be past this place in my life right now? Maybe at work. Maybe you found yourself at a place and you're in a particular position or particular job and you think, should I not be past this place by now? Maybe, maybe I'm, not, I'm not talking to everybody, but I'm talking to a few people here I know. And you're like... Shouldn't I be past this place by now? Maybe even since we're in church. Maybe even spiritually. Maybe you find yourself and you're looking at your spiritual life and your spiritual walk and you think, shouldn't I be past this place in my life by now? Haven't I paid my dues? Why in the world am I still here in this place? Again, I'm not talking to everybody, but I'm talking to somebody that you have been there. And maybe you're there right now where you're just like, Lord, I don't understand why I am where I am. I should be past this place by now. So as I continue to build the story of where David is, I want you to understand where he's at. And so now in chapter 30... We find, according to verse 6, says this, And David, what? Was greatly distressed. Oh, so this was not just a little stress. The Bible says that David was what? Greatly distressed. Why? Well, they got to Ziklag, and what happened? Their wives were taken. Their children were taken. Their flocks and their herds were taken. Their city was burned. They, were, they had absolutely 
nothing left. To put this in, into terms, you know, they got there. Somebody kidnapped all of his, his and his army's wives, all of their children, at flocks and herd. That was, that was their bank account. That was basically, there was no banks or anything at that time. The flocks and the herds, all they had, that was their life saving. Somebody stole it all. Their city was burned. In fact, I don't have time this morning. I got a little more time than I thought. I'll give you this. Ziklag, David had been on the run for quite a while. David was anointed. He was supposed to be in Israel, but David had been on the run. But now finally, he had found favor, believe it or not, with the enemy, the Philistines. And the Philistines had given him finally a place to even kind of call his own. I mean, he's run from Saul and run from Saul and run from Saul and run from Saul. And so finally, after years of being on the road, finally his own enemies, the Philistines, said, well, You know what, David? You can have Ziklag. And he finally got a place to call home. And it's burned to the ground. And now, not only that, we find for the people spake of stoning him. They lost everything, his mighty men, his army, everybody that was there. These men had had enough. They blamed David for the problems that were going on. That's the problem sometimes. He got all the credit when things went good, but then he got all the blame when things went bad. And so now they were looking at David and everything was lost. And now they're talking about this is David's fault. Let's stone him. He's lost his family. He's lost all his money. His city and his house are burned to the ground. He's got nothing left. And now his friends are talking about killing him. Did I mention David was greatly distressed? You see, we face things also in our lives. That greatly distress us. Sometimes in our jobs, there's distress. We don't know, is there going to be downsizing? Is there going to be layoffs? We're having trouble working with our boss. We're having trouble figuring out a new position. We're figuring out, we're having trouble figuring out a new computer software that's running things. We're having trouble with our kids. Kids aren't doing right. You're worried about your kids. Maybe your marriage is not good. You're, you're concerned about some things going on there. Maybe you've got bills that are showing up you didn't realize you had. Or maybe some you realize and now they're coming due. Maybe you've got health problems that are facing you. Maybe someone close to you has even died. Let me just tell you something. I know that people, we face these trying things and we find ourselves at times greatly distressed because of the things going on around us. You see, I've described to you how David must have felt and I've gotten us all depressed about all the bad things that can happen to us. And so you may be saying, what in the world is the point of all this? My point is the very purpose of this message that is this where we find that David decided to do something the end of verse 6 says this but 
David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I just want to break that down real simple to you for just a second. Everything had gone wrong. Everything had gone bad. He didn't have a friend left in the world that didn't want to kill him at the time. Now you talk about a bad day, that's a bad day. But David decided that he would encourage himself. Everybody say himself. He didn't sit around waiting on somebody else to do it. Because, folks, if he had sat around waiting for somebody else to do it, then the story would probably be different because he probably would have got killed right then and right there. But he said, I can't wait around on somebody else to encourage me. I just need to talk to somebody right now and tell you, you can't wait around for the preacher to preach the right message. You can't wait around for the Sunday school teacher to give you a call and give you that exact encouragement you think you can't be sitting around waiting I know sometimes it happens but you can't just be sitting around waiting to turn on your favorite uh, Christian television station and maybe that preacher on there will have the right thing for you no sir no ma'am there comes a time in all of our lives and our walks with God where we cannot rely on somebody else to encourage us we've got to be like David and say I can't rely on on somebody else to encourage me. I've got to encourage myself in the Lord my God. He didn't get mad at God. Oh, that, that's a whole nother message right there. He didn't get mad at God. He could have. I mean, in our human brain, we can easily explain that, can't we? David didn't ask for the throne. Nope. David was minding his own business out there tending sheep like he was supposed to. And it was Samuel that showed up at his daddy's house and went through all of his older brothers and said, No, that's not it. Pulled David out of the field and then anointed him. Come on, somebody. I mean, David didn't ask for that. He could have, God, you're the one that anointed. You're the one that sent Samuel to anoint me as king. You're the one that I, all I did was do what daddy told me to do. I took the, I took the cheese, I took the food out to the battlefield, and there was that big mouth giant running his mouth, cursing you. I put myself out there because of you, Lord. And he could have got mad at God and said, Lord, I did all this for you, and now look at me. Look where this has got me. Look where I am at. I have nothing my family's gone, my money's gone, my friends want to kill me. But he didn't do that. Nope, David then, he encouraged himself and the Lord is God. And what happened next in verse 7? And David said to Abathar the priest, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. What does that mean? In the Old Testament, to bring the ephod, that was the way that they found the will of the Lord for a particular situation. In 
other words, what David was saying was, God, I need to hear from you. My back is up against the wall, and I have no idea what to do. But instead of getting mad at God and blaming God, he encouraged himself in the Lord is God and said, bring me the ephod. I've got to hear from the Lord. He encouraged himself, what? In the Lord his God. He didn't go to anybody else. He didn't go to some feel-good book. He didn't go to some movie. He didn't even turn to a friend. He had to go to the Lord. Let me just tell you here today, there's going to be times in your life. I know there's, I am all about community. I am all about connectivity. I am all about friends and, and church family, but there's going to be times in your life where you can't turn to the pastor, where you can't turn to your friends, where you can't turn to your mama and your daddy. That's why you have got to be able to turn to the Lord. The Lord what? His God. Everybody say His God. In other words, in the Old Testament sense, David was saved. You see, he went to the Lord, his God. He didn't go to Saul's God. He didn't go to Father Abraham's God. He didn't go to his father Jesse's God. Who did he go to? He went to his God. The Apostle Paul said it like this in the New Testament. He said, the Lord whose I am and whom I serve. You see, what I need you to understand is this today, that we need to have a relationship with the Lord. That when we go through these types of things, that you're not turning to the pastor's God. You're not turning to mama's God or grandma's God. Know that you are going to turn to the Lord your God. That it's not a strange thing for you to turn to him because you've got a relationship with him. Now you listen to the pastor here. There are people today sitting in church pews trying to make it without ever being saved. Now I hope and I pray and I believe that this book right here We'll give you help. I believe this has got the, every answer that you could possibly need right here in this book. But here's the problem that we've done as a church. We've turned the whole thing into some kind of self-help mess. No, it's all right. Y'all aren't going to amen. We've turned it into some kind of self-help mess where you can just come and hear a nice sermon and get a little bit of advice for your life. Now, don't misunderstand me. The Word of God's got everything you need, but this is more than just a, self, a Sunday self-help class. I can't even get it out of my mouth. A Sunday self-help class. It's more than that. Let me tell you, before anything's going to work right in your life, you've got to have a relationship with Him. I thank the Lord that you're at church. I thank the Lord for people that come to church, but just coming to church alone ain't going to save you. Just sitting in these pews ain't going to save you. Some of you won't expect to hear a pastor say that, but here, listen to me. Just paying your tithes ain't going to save you. Not going to do it. Just teaching, just working in the church, just feeding orphans isn't going to save you. have got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
There is one way to get to heaven. Jesus is that way. He is the way, the truth, the life. We must be saved. Jesus said, I've preached this, I know, over the last several months. Jesus said, you must to be to go to heaven. What? You must be born again. Folks, listen, I, I hope and I do pray. Please don't misunderstand. I hope and I pray. I hope what I preach, I hope what other people preach and teach here does encourage you and, and motivate you and all that. But listen, none of that is worth a hill of beans if you don't have a relationship with Christ. I am doing you a great deal of harm if I'm just trying to motivate you into heaven. No, I got, I've got to introduce you to this person named Jesus Christ who you need a relationship with. So David then encouraged himself, what? In the Lord, he is God. You see, there comes a difference when you've got a relationship with him. When you know him, when you've got a prayer life, oh, I'm meddling now. There's a difference when you've got a prayer life. Unfortunately for a lot of church people, a lot of so-called Christian people, the only time they pray is when they've got a problem. And then what do they say? I just don't know how to pray. I just, I just have difficulty praying. Well, how much did you pray before the problem came up? Well, I just, eh, not much. Prayer is like anything else. Prayer takes practice. Prayer is getting to know God. You get to know Him. The more you get to know somebody, the easier it is to talk to them. And you've got to pray. You've got to have a relationship. Again, it goes back to this. How did he encourage in the Lord, his God? It was his God. He had a relationship. In Old Testament sense, he was saved. We must be saved. Stand with me, if you will, please. So how does the story end? As the musicians and the singers come. Well, we find that David, he sought God. And the Lord told him, pursue the enemy. David obeys the Lord. Pursues the enemy, and the Bible said he took back everything that the enemy had stolen. Then something even greater happens in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 1, and verse 2. It came even to pass on the third day. That behold, a man came out of the camp from Saul with his clothes rent and earth upon his head. And so it was when he came to David that he fell to the earth and did obeisance. And David said unto him, From whence are they come? And he said, Out of the camp of Israel I'm escaped. And we find that he eventually, he is the messenger that tells David, Saul is now dead. Three days later, three days later, the greatest victory came because David no longer had to run from his own people and his own nation. And the office that he had been anointed 
to be in was now open for him to take. I want you to hear me here today. Here's what the Lord is showing you. I know I've not done the best. I've preached this awful, probably the worst I've ever preached this subject this morning. But I hope you get this out of it. Here's the deal. David was in a horrible, horrible, horrible situation. What I told you earlier, that David probably said to himself, why am I not past this place? Why am I still right here? Why is this going on? I should be past this place. I should not have to be in this place anymore. He lost everything. His friends were going to kill him. But only three days later, one of the greatest victories that he didn't even have to win came to it. His life then began to shift into what he knew it was supposed to be, to walk in that anointing and that calling that had been placed on his life. I need somebody to hear me. It doesn't matter how bad things are right now. When God gets in the mix, He can turn it around quickly. You can, he went from the worst day of his life, and in a matter of three days, he got everything back and more. He went from his wife, his children, his money, his house, everything is gone to he gets it all back and then what he's been waiting for and running from for years now opens up to him. Somebody, you may be right on the edge of your breakthrough. You may be right on the edge of what God is wanting to do. And here's the deal. Most of the time, listen, I hope you've gotten this out of this bad preaching this morning. Most of the time, right before your biggest breakthrough is your toughest battle. Most of the time, before God is ready to just break things open and bless you and, and anoint you and give you the dreams and the visions that He's placing in you, most of the time, before right before you get there, is your most difficult battle. And, as I've already said, David faced it alone. He had to encourage himself in the Lord his God. So here's what I want to ask you today. If you're here, every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you're here this morning, say pastor that's me I feel like I'm going through a battle I feel like I'm going through a battle maybe you're here and you're what I preached about you you're at that place where you said I feel like I should be past this point maybe it's at your work in your career maybe it's in your finances maybe it's in your spiritual life and you just say I feel like I should be I should be farther than this by now I should be past this place by now you say I just need the Lord I need the Lord to help me Listen, I can tell you the way that you can encourage yourself in the Lord your God right here and right now is God has brought you to this place. And God has brought you into this house where you can come to this altar and you've got people. You're not alone right here and right now. 
There are saints here that will pray for you and pray that God would get you through. If you are here and you say, Pastor, I need the Lord to help me through this place I'm in right now. I need him to encourage. Would you just step out from where you're at and just find a place right now here in this altar? Would you do that? Anybody here? Anybody here? Thank you. Come on, anybody else this morning? Saying, I, I need, I need the Lord to help me. I need the Lord to help me. I need the Lord to help me. Listen, here's the good thing. You are not, you're not standing at Ziklag all by yourself with everybody wanting to kill you. You see, because the rest of this body right here loves you right now. And we're going to pray for you and believe that God is going to give you breakthrough. I need some of my prayer warriors to come and stand behind these right now. We're going to pray for them. We're going to ask that the Lord would just touch them right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, come on, help me. Help me come and pray. Come and help me pray right now. As they begin to sing, we're just going to pray for breakthrough. We're going to pray that the Lord would encourage them. And I believe that right at the other side of our biggest, darkest, hardest battle is our biggest breakthrough. Go ahead and sing this morning. Hallelujah. Can't go back to the beginning. Can't control what tomorrow will bring. But I know here in the middle is the place where you promised to be. Not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here
come on. Unless you come, will you meet me here again? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Cause all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? you come will you meet me here again cause all I want is all you are will you meet me here again hallelujah hallelujah I want to ask Pastor Bobby and Amy to come if they will just stay right here. In fact, I'm going to ask more of you, everybody that will, to come. We want to pray over them. I want to say this. I am so thankful for the Richardsons. And I've told them that they were here for this church in a very, very difficult time. And they served, and they served faithfully and served with integrity and honor. Amen. Amen. And so as we send them forth, thankfully they're not going far. They're right here still on our district. We're thankful for that. But we're going to pray that the Lord would just bless. If y'all just come on a little bit closer. And I want everybody that will just come. And I want you to just gather in as close as you can. And I want us all to just lay hands on the Richardsons right now. And we're going to pray for God's blessing and God's anointing. I know they're already anointed. I know that God's with them. But listen, that's something That's something that happened in the New Testament. When they went from one place to another, they prayed over the other one. There was their leaving to pray that God would bless them in their new assignment. So would y'all just come? Those of you in your seats, just stretch your hands this way and let's pray for them. Father, we just thank you and we praise you so much, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this couple, Lord. Thank you for their servant's heart. Thank you for how they have faithfully served, Lord, the Starkville Church of God. Thank you, oh God, for how they have served in many different capacities over the last several years. Lord, I thank you, God, for how they served faithfully, oh Lord. Even in the absence of senior leadership, Lord, they, they stood firm, God. They served with integrity. They served, oh God, faithfully. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we pray over them today in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray that you bless them as they go forth. We pray for Crossover Church right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would help them and bless them, God. We pray for laborers, oh Lord, that you would send them the help that they need in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would just give them, Lord, favor in the city of Columbus. I know they're not the strangers to the Columbus area, but God, I pray for a fresh favor. I pray, oh God, that you'd give them favor like they have never had before in the city of Columbus in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray for souls to be saved. I pray for prodigals to come home. I pray for people to be delivered and healed in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. We just speak your blessings and your favor over them right now in the name of Jesus Christ as they go forth from this place, Lord. Let them leave here blessed. Let them leave here encouraged, oh God, in the mighty 
mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, bless their boys, God. Bless their families, oh Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we just declare victory over their lives. We declare victory in Columbus. We declare favor in Columbus. We declare blessing in Columbus, oh Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you. We praise you for it, oh Lord. God, we just give you the glory and the honor for the testimonies that we're going to be able to hear coming out of there, oh Lord. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, I pray your hedge, I pray a covering over them right now in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would just protect them and cover them and watch over them, oh Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we just thank you. We praise you for it, oh Lord. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, 